You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We've got a lot to get to today, news of the day, some commitments, and uh, also we'll have a full preview of Vanderbilt as we break down each team on the Locked On SEC Football Podcast. First, we want to be sure and say have a safe July 4th, a safe Independence Day, and Chris, everybody needs to remember why that day is so important absolutely you know freedom's not free enjoy the day be safe and we're going to uh listen we're going to recharge our batteries we're going to take a couple of days off uh at least on the podcast we'll be back on monday right and we will uh certainly be breaking down all things football and of course at landryfootball.com we'll still be working and uh, giving you all the updates of anything that's going on and continuing with our preview. So we'll revisit you back on Monday and a lot to talk about. I think we'll break down the Arkansas Razorbacks on Monday. So um, Vanderbilt today. So after July 4th, uh, it really is uh, closing in on the start of football season. So get ready for it. Certainly is. And we will also uh, have a a look at a couple of key players from Alabama Uh, Also, scouting spotlight on a Georgia player that you'll want to know about. So we're uh, loaded up. Don't forget to go to Twillery.com. Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code. You get $25 off. Some fantastic shirts. You don't have to iron them. They're soft, comfortable. You're going to love these shirts. News of the day. We start with LSU. And then we'll get to some commitments, Chris, uh, around the conference. Yeah, LSU... um... Re or not re up, but extended Steve Insminger, their offensive coordinator through the 2020 season. Not big news, but official there. Uh, also got a couple of other extensions for their offensive line coach, James Craig, who's done a nice job, and special teams coordinator, Tim McMahon. So um, Steve's done, you know, stabilized things, and obviously Joe Brady coming in. We're going to see how that meshes this year. Some big news around for Auburn a big commitment with the four star linebacker, Wesley Steiner. 6'1", 220, really athletic linebacker, a special player, Um, you know, and and of course with Trenton Simpson, who they got a little bit earlier in the commitment process, that's two great linebackers for that class. So this is is really impressive. Of course, uh, they recently over the past few days got the commitment from Zebion Capers, the big angular receiver, 6'4", 215, is a former Arkansas commitment. So big week for Auburn, big Day yesterday for Ole Miss, getting a commitment from four-star corner uh, Diare McDonald, 6'1", 185. Good kid there. Um, that's a couple of four-star kids in the last week for the Rebs. A&M gets, boy, they are on a roll. They are really getting it done in recruiting. Josh Moten, the four-star corner, 5'11", 168. Good looking uh, corner that's got a that's got a good future. So um, a good week, a uh, good day and a good week in uh, SEC recruiting for a number of those schools. Certainly. <clears throat> and we'll get to our scouting spotlight uh, now as there's a cornerback at Mississippi State, Cameron Danzler, that you've had a, a chance to take a close look at. What do you think? I love his instincts. I love his length. Um, and, you know, breaking down the tape last year, he really does a great job playing through the receiver until the ball. I uh, love the, the ball uh, skills of this guy. You know, um, I, you know, listen, the, people don't have a lot of success against him, and his uh, completion percentage against, throwing against him, was uh, was under uh, right at 40%. So 
really good looking player there that uh, I'm excited to, to see what he can do this year for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And then we see the the tight end be such a key position nowadays in football. Maybe Wayne for a couple of years there, but uh, Georgia's got a good one in Charlie Warner as well. I think he's ready to have a special type of year for them. Um, he's angular that he can. I think he's got good flexibility. I think he can adjust to the ball where I think he's going to be a real effective weapon for them this year. Now, they've got talent. Uh, no doubt they're going to run the football. We know that there's a lot of youth, but talent at receiver. We know that's been talked about. Are they good enough at receiver? Maybe early on some growing pains. I think Charlie Warner is going to step in and have a real impact for Jake Fromm. Working the seam, working checkdowns, and I think his effectiveness is going to only help uh, the coverage options on the outside with the receiver. So keep an eye on Charlie Warner, who I expect to have a really good year. And then the film room, I know that coaches don't like to make comparisons, at least the ones that I've worked with, but uh, you've talked to some coaches who had a couple of comparisons uh, to, to Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavaola, and I'm, I'm curious who he might uh, draw comparisons to because he's a pretty – Pretty unique player. Well, he is, and uh, I think he's you know very unique in a lot of ways in how he plays. But I was recently at the uh, scouting combine meetings. Every every year, for people who don't know, May, like May, is um, uh, a, a time of year where we have the initial scouting meetings for the class of next year. And there is some discussions about potential. We didn't always do this, but about potential guys. Uh, and then so kind of when during breaks and all, we talk about a lot of the underclassmen and I was talking about Tua and giving, you know, my thoughts to uh, a few GMs. Uh, it's interesting the name that a, a two or three GMs and personnel directors gave me, which I don't I, I see them a little bit differently stylistically, but he is being compared a lot to Russell Wilson uh, by NFL people. Um He's not, I, you know, to try to compare him in my view, he's not a Lamar Jackson type of a runner, but he's mobile. I don't think he's, what makes Russell Wilson great as a runner is the fact that he's got the best instincts as a runner of any quarterback in the NFL and that he doesn't get hit because he, he really has a great vision for where there's a big opening and he runs and using that baseball background, he slides and he never seems to get hit. So he's, the most functional guy in terms of a runner as a quarterback because he doesn't risk his body, and yet he picks up you know yards that you give up. If particularly if you you know you play man coverage against a guy like that, well you don't account for him. Uh, I think Tua can hurt you with his feet. I don't think ideally he's that type of instinctive runner as R Russell Wilson, nor is he as explosive of a runner as say Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. But he can move pretty well. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, he's got a little bit more of a Steve Young in him in terms of how he moves. He runs more like him. Now, I think he's got the intuitive accuracy and the ball velocity reminds me a lot of Steve Young. I'm not saying that Tua is going to have the career Steve Young did, but uh, you know, in terms of how he's built, that's a little bit how I see him and how some other NFL people view him. Interesting <laughs> conversations there uh, at the uh, – at the, the, the spring scouting meetings. Could that be troublesome, though? Because he's he's had his fair share of injuries, and uh, Steve Young took an awful lot of hits. Uh, yes. Could, could, that, could that be a problem? 
Absolutely. I think it's a problem in college. I, I, I have concerns, and, and I think Nick, Nick Saban does as well, and it's why I think they want him to be smart about when he runs. Look, let's just call it what it is. There is no Jalen Hurts in Tuscaloosa. He in Norman, Oklahoma. Alabama loses Tua. They could win maybe every game. I'd say, you know, maybe LSU-Auburn on the schedule would be a concern. If they have a you know, they have to play Mac Jones, for example. They they they'll be fine in the regular season, but if they lose Tua uh, and they don't have them for, let's say, the SEC championship game, the playoffs, uh, which is where I think they're going to end up, they're not winning the national championship without Tua. And I think that we saw last year the the ability to. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Tua was great, and then Jalen Hurts, you know, bails them out. Like Tua bailed him out in the national championship game two years ago. It was Jalen that bailed uh, Alabama out in the SEC championship. I don't see the same result this year. It's not just a plug and play. You put anybody there. That experience level is key. It is imperative that Tua stay healthy for Alabama's success this year and for his future NFL ability. Now, he's not the body type, I think, that can withstand hits. So he is going to... I think personally that he needs to be more like Russell Wilson. I don't think he is as as much as other people do, but that's a style that you want to emulate if you're Tua. Run when it's there, but be smart and learn how to slide. I don't think Tua has the the baseball background that uh, Russell did, though. Maybe that'll help him, but I, I would say work on your sliding. I would do a lot of that if I were Tua. Well, he's got uh, plenty of good guys to throw to, uh, so he may not need to run. But uh, you also in the film room took a look at uh, Henry Ruggs, and uh, he's one of, uh, I think, about 55 great receivers that (laughs) Alabama has. Yeah, he's really good. I wanted to talk a little bit about him because I think, you know, in addition, in my top, well, he's fast, he's quick. Yeah, he's all that. But let me tell you what he is. He's the most versatile of the receivers that they have in that he can play equally effective in the slot or outside. And they used him primarily outside last year, but he did have 121 snaps in the slot. And when he's in the slot, I mean, he averaged 10 yards. Um, he was targeted 21 times. So out of the 121 snaps in the slot, he was targeted 21 times last year, and he averaged over 10 yards a catch. So his speed and quickness to, you know, the after-the-catch ability is really significant in the slot because the routes are not run as deep in most cases. So the work in the underneath, beating safeties over the top as well, that paralyzes you a little bit. So what that does, to visualize it for you, if you're playing and he's in the slot, your safeties, you if you want to come up, you better have some help because he can beat you deep down the seam and, and beat your, the safeties over the top. And you got a big, deep middle problem. So you got to hang a guy deep. And what does that do? That helps your running game. That helps your tight end success. Because now you vacate another body outside of underneath coverage. So I think how they use Henry Ruggs is going to be really pivotal. Uh, he's just one of many great receivers. But he is the most versatile of the receivers that Bama has. Uh, absolutely. We'll talk about a football team that has been on the rise for what? About a decade now, uh, it's the Vanderbilt Commodores and uh, what they can expect in this upcoming season. Don't forget to go to Twillery.com. Use that Locked On 
promo code and you get $25 off some exceptional shirts. They're awesome. Free shipping, free returns. Why not just go to Twillery.com? He is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. You've got to check out that website. It is awesome. Stay tuned. More after this. You're locked on SEC football podcast rolls on. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Used to be this program was pretty inconsequential in the SEC, but we've uh, seen some upsets. We've seen them uh, go toe-to-toe and win battles with their in-state rival, and suddenly Vanderbilt matters. It's not just an easy win on the schedule week in and week out. I've been impressed with what the Commodores have done beginning with James Franklin, but now with uh, Derek Mason, I didn't think they'd be able to keep it going, but uh, after a blip on the radar with Mason, they did, and and suddenly uh, the Commodores are a very respectable program. They are, and I think you can put it in, I can capsulize it and capsulize it by saying this. Um, what I see inside the film room when I study Vanderbilt uh, over the past few years under Derek is they're one of the better coach defenses in the league. Um, they're, you know, uh, Jason Tarver does a good job. They're well positioned. Um, they don't have elite talent, but they, they utilize what they have very well. Let's put in perspective what they've done. They've been to a bowl game twice in the past three seasons. Now, again, put this in perspective. We got a lot more bowl games than we used to have. So, okay, I get it. But let's let's look at that. Twice in the past three seasons. Now, the 17 wins over that stretch, which, again, you got extra games. You played 12. Remember, we played 11 games for years, and going back in the day, it was 10 and then 9. But if you go back, the 17 wins over the past three seasons – are the third most in the three-year period since the 1970s. Um, and the, they've won three straight games against Tennessee. Hooks, that hasn't happened since the 1920s. That's the biggest one. Now, that says as much about Tennessee as it does Vanderbilt, but uh, they'll take it. And they're, they're getting it done relative to their resources. And let me just say this. Vanderbilt has a lot of money. They choose to not spend it on football and facilities. That's their prerogative. Um, but, you know, that that what this coaching staff has, Derek does a lot better job than I think people even know, and I think people give them a lot of credit. Um, they've got some really good talent. They don't have a, an abundance of it. I've talked ad nauseum about Kayshawn Vaughn, the running back, who's outstanding. Kalijah Lipscomb is outstanding. The receiver, uh, the tight end, Jared Pinckney. They've got really good weapons. They're going to need Riley Neal, the transfer from Ball State, or Deuce Wallace to provide the quarterback play necessary. Um, you know, the offensive line is still a question mark to me. Um, I, listen, I, I thought defensively they got mauled against the run. They just don't match up in the trenches. But, again, they scheme it very well. They play the run with numbers as well as they can, and they play in coverage. So they've got to add bigger bodies. They've tried to do that. Um, it's going to be tough for them to get to six wins this year. Um, but we'll see if they can do it. We'll get to that in just in a second. But what is the offense going to look like, Dave? I mean, I, I don't know. Are they, they think Riley Neal, the transfer from Ball State, can get it done? I think he's the most talented guy. Uh, the Again, Vaughn is going to be special. Um, I, I think, you know, I think Pinckney can make a lot of plays for him. 
I think they try to slow it down a little bit, work the running game a little more, play to their defense. Listen, Vanderbilt's going to have to play the cleanest game every week. What does that really mean? It means protecting the football, uh, getting a couple of turnovers, not turning the ball over yourself, winning the hidden yardage in the kicking game. All those little things are going to matter a whole lot. They don't now have Kyle Shermer, a veteran quarterback. Uh, they're replaced, of course, obviously Andy Ludwig's no longer there. So, listen, I think the defense could be as good, maybe a tad better this year. They're going to be really young up front. So we'll see how this plays out. It's amazing. They, they're, they're beating Tennessee, going to bowl games. Uh, Tennessee's getting a little bit better. Um, Kentucky, South Carolina, um, you know, th- those are those programs are all recruiting better. Make no mistake that recruiting-wise, Vanderbilt is 14 out of 14 in the SEC in terms of talent. Um, there, there's a reason for that. The facilities, the emphasis on the program are like thereof. The difficulty academically, not just how hard it is to get in, but the limit limited amount of what you can study there. It's not it's not quite as eclectic as it is at Northwestern or Stanford or even Duke. You can study more different things at those places. So, uh, listen, I, I think the program is doing a outstanding job. Um, I think they've got enough playmakers. I think, you know, they probably need to end up in plus eight, plus 10 in the turnover margin this year. They were plus eight last year. They're replacing three starting offensive line. The offensive line did not look good in the spring. Uh, got a ways to go there. We'll see what August, uh, um, you know, r- reveals. Uh, the defense has got to be better against the run. So uh, they've got to do that. If they do all those things well, let's look at their schedule. Not easy. Start off against Georgia. That's not going to – listen, it's going to be a loss. How difficult, how beat up will they be is going to be key um, because you look at it, they go to Purdue. Uh, that's going to be tough. I call it a question mark, Dave. I don't know about you. Go. They play LSU. Uh, and, I mean, when I say they go, they play Georgia. They play that in Nashville. I mean, there's no way they're not. The best scenario is if they beat Purdue, they're one and two. They're likely zero and three to start uh, going to Purdue. They've got Northern Illinois. Not that easy. That's yeah. a pro, that'll be tough. Ole Miss at Ole Miss. You know, not that difficult. Should get, I'll give them a definite win at UNLV. I give them question marks in Missouri at South Carolina. Well, we know they've, they've done that very well. I, I get it. Going to Florida, uh, sorry. Uh, Kentucky, question mark. East Tennessee, East Tennessee, there you go. There we go. Got you two wins at Tennessee. Look, I mean, at some point, um, Tennessee's got to figure that out. That's a question mark game, though. Here's the thing I, I would say. Um, out of conference, Purdue, you give them credit, but I, I just think that Vanderbilt needs to be playing um, three gimme wins. They've got to have three non-conference wins every year or year in and year out. Their, their chances of making a bowl game are, are just, I mean, they're going to fall a game short in most years. Um, I, I think, it, I don't know where they get you know, five or six wins, because I just gave it to you. East Tennessee State, UNLV. Let's say they beat Purdue. That's three. Let's say they they go to Ole Miss and win. That's four. Um, You still got to beat Missouri at home, at South Carolina, Kentucky at home, or Tennessee. You got to win two of those games to get to bowl eligibility. I I think it's difficult. I I think it's going to be tough to get to six wins. 
Um, we know that they've improved. We know it's been a positive, but this may be difficult. As, as talented as I think they are in some spots, it would be a great season if they get to six and six. Seven and six is I just can't find the seven wins on their schedule right now. Yeah, you talk about their facilities. It's been a, a couple of years since I've been there, but it's not even close. Uh, not even remotely close to other schools in the SEC. And and in a sense, they have an opportunity to beat Tennessee twice because ETSU's uh, Randy Sanders is a former offensive coordinator. There you go. Tennessee. There you go. So <laughs> the streak against Tennessee continues, I guess. So that's and, the and, and, real, and real quick, you know, you mentioned the, the facilities. Their facilities are not anywhere close to, to what Conference USA schools are. I mean, it is – it's that bad. And, and listen, they've got a lot of money. And, and listen, I, my, they put you, the, 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 they, you put the money where you want to put it. That, that's not my business. But here, here's what I'm going to say, and then I'll shut up, because I, I defend coaches. Don't sit there and fire coaches. If you don't put something into the program, don't expect anything out. Okay, so um, – Okay, it took them forever to kind of redo basketball facility. The 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 Ingram family, I'm gonna tell you, they got as much money as anybody. They could sit there and if they wanted to, start over and build the best facilities in the SEC if they wanted to. I mean, they could do it, and it would be like a couple of checks from the Ingrams, and it wouldn't even uh, it wouldn't even loosen their pocket. You know, they could get the pocket change out and pay. They didn't want to do that. That's fine. But, you know, then don't have the expectations of going to bowl games every year uh, and don't think, well, you know, you can go because now the expectation is going to you know where this is going. All of a sudden, it's going to spin around and, you know, their their days of beating Tennessee are going to be over probably this year, but soon. And well, man, he's, you know, he he beat Tennessee three times in a row and now he hasn't won. And so I'm saying, well, of course not. That's not going to happen. And I, you know, you hear me say that's a lot about certain programs that you're getting it done at some places, winning five or six games. And with their schedule this year, throwing in Purdue, that that's a tough win. What a win that would be for them. Uh, that would stave off being 0-3 in my mind. Um, there, there is a chance that they could be 0-4 going to Ole Miss. I mean, it's possible. It's yeah. very possible because Northern Illinois is a challenge. I think they'll win it. So that's your, you know, that's your third win there. I'm going to give that. And then we'll see from there if they can get to six. I, I think that's going to be tough. And you start looking at, I think they can beat Ole Miss. I do. Um, I think everybody else on their schedule has got significantly more talent in, in the conference. I mean, Tennessee, not so much at the line of scrimmage. I think they could go to Tennessee and play well. I do. I think Tennessee will man up and get it done. South Carolina's got more talent. Uh, I think they can compete with Purdue, but it's on the road. LSU, Georgia, way more talent. Missouri is gettable. South Carolina has more talent. Florida has more talent. I think Kentucky has uh, more talent. But the one thing that I think Vanderbilt has at the receiver position, the tight end position, and the running back position, they've got one player at each spot that can play with anybody in the league. So it's going to be about how they play at the line of scrimmage and how they defend the run and how they're able to block for the run. That'll determine whether they can get to six wins or not. So we will have Ryan Brown of WJOX talking about some 
Bama and their quarterback situation as well. And don't forget, we'll have a team preview of Arkansas on Monday. With Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. Your Locked on SEC football podcast continues after this. You are Locked on SEC football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked on SEC football podcast, joined by a very special guest. It is Ryan Brown of WJOX, who... Uh, is going to talk about the Crimson Tide. Uh, Chris told us that Tua Tungavala's uh, hamstring kept him from doing very much at the Manning Passing Academy. So we asked Ryan Brown how concerned Alabama fans should be about that. And then uh, we discussed the backup quarterback situation in Tuscaloosa. Um, hamstring injuries can kind of linger and crop back up. You know, I don't think from what I can gather, this one is all too serious. For instance, I think if Alabama Duke were played today, he would play. Um, you know, it's something that was probably just tweaked in some sort of um, conditioning. So, you know, I, I don't think he's out. You know, if this were a receiver or running back or defensive back, your fear would be, oh, he's running routes, he cut, he pulled a hammy, tore an ACL or something like that. I don't think that's something Tulatunga Lowe is going to be doing. He's going to be basically doing – um, conditioning. So I, I, I'm not overly, I don't think you should be overly concerned about it if you're an Alabama fan right now. I, I don't think it's that big a deal. There's plenty of time before he even starts camp. So, you know, it's something that comes with rest and you have the ability to rest right now. And there's not a lot being asked of you. So I think, I think it's okay. If you can, for those that don't know, talk about the, uh, the, the, the backup situation behind them a couple of pretty big names and i'm wondering if if something did happen because he has been hurt before who do you think would trot out there well you know it's interesting obviously everybody knows the backup was Jalen hurts last year but he himself was injured against lsu and Tua tongue of was coming back from injury that had been a bye week and he was playing hurt against lsu and he had to leave the game uh, on Alabama's first offensive possession. Well, they brought Matt Jones in, who was the back, the third teamer, but was back up that night with, with Hurts injured. And you would have assumed you bring Matt Jones in, he turns around, hands off, and you kick a field goal. It was a third down situation. They were going to let him throw. They had a pass play called, and he got a delay of game. Um, you saw the play because it snapped, and they couldn't hear the whistle because of how loud Tiger Stadium is. So they've got faith in him. He's the backup, and behind him, are two really highly regarded freshman quarterbacks from the Birmingham area. One is Talia Tungabola, who played at Thompson, which is one of the biggest programs in the state. He is Tua's younger brother, obviously, not just a random uh, same last name in Alabama. Tungabola is obviously his brother, and he was very highly recruited. LSU wanted him very badly. And the other one is a guy named Paul Tyson, who played at Hewitt Trustville, which is just outside of Birmingham here as well, one of the suburbs of Birmingham. He is the grandson, um, of the great-grandson, I'm sorry, of Bear Bryant, of Paul Bryant, the former Alabama football coach. So that's kind of your 4D there, and I don't know which order they'll fall in. Um, I would imagine Mac Jones would start as your backup, and again, they, they seem to have a lot of confidence in him. That should be interesting. It, in some ways... Um... I look forward to seeing how uh, Paul Bear Bryant's uh, grandson and um, the younger uh, Tungavala compete against each other. I, I think that's a fascinating storyline. I can't imagine uh, the the fan base and who they'll root for and 
And uh, because let's face it, it's quarterback. One's going to win the job and one's going to transfer. It's pretty much how yeah. it happens. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and let me just say, um, Tyson isn't there just because he's Bryant's grandson. Um, you know, that would have been enough, no doubt. But he's a good player. I mean, he's a player that was, was recruited by a lot of people. Um, so both those guys are highly recruited. You're right. Only one of them can be the starter. And both of them are really good in high school. I, I don't, I think it'll be a fascinating battle to watch. And it will probably unfold next year because I would imagine with any kind of season, Tua Tungabloa will be off to the NFL after this season. So that is Ryan Brown of WJOX, and that's your Locked on SEC Football podcast. For Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. Happy July the 4th. Happy Independence Day, everyone. Uh, We'll take the long weekend off. Hope you will as well, and we'll talk to you Monday. Have a fantastic holiday.